Um, how many people, how many people tonight you've ever, you've ever broken a bone? You've broken something, you've broken something. Yeah, yeah, okay. Lots of, a lot of, lot of accident prone people here tonight. I've, I've broken a nose. There's a story behind it. I've never told it. Not sure I ever will. It's, it's interesting. But anyway, broke it right across through here too. Broke it straight across. If I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it right. But let's, let's say for just a second, when, when you broke your bone, whatever bone it was, and you realize it was broken. What, where did you go? What, what, like where did, and I'm not looking for a spiritual answer. The Jesus, no, I mean, that's great. You went to Jesus. But like where do you need to go if you've broken a bone? Hospital, Hospital ER, right? Now, if you've ever gone to the ER for anything, one of the things that you've had to put into place, you, you had no choice. It was forced upon you. You had to put patience into place. Because when you get to the ER, any ER, it doesn't matter. I'm not just talking about Anderson. Well, if you're watching online, this is Texas, this is Alaska, this is everywhere, any ER. You don't know if it's gonna take 20 minutes or if you're gonna celebrate your next birthday in, in, in the ER because it's gonna take a minute, right? But you have to go. And if you've ever taken a child who's broken something, they're, they're impatient, but you have to be patient with that child as you wait to get in the ER because if you're not patient, they're not gonna get help, am I correct? So let's say for example, let's just use a hypothetical. Let's say that your child or a child you're in charge of taking care of is playing outside and they come in and, and their nose, they've been hit in the face with a baseball bat by the bully kid in the neighborhood and their nose is like a half inch this way and it's jacked up like this and, and it got some blood draining down and they're breathing like Darth Vader like <sighs> And you go, oh my gosh, I gotta take you to the ER. And your kid tells you, no, this is the new me. Nobody in this room would be like, okay, well, I would, saves me some time. You'd be like, what do you mean? And they, they go, this is the new, I like, I like this me. I like this. And um, I'm just gonna need you to, because this is the way I am. I'm not gonna change you can't change me. You're just gonna have to be more tolerant. Tolerant. There's a, there's a word that, that gets used a lot. And uh, by the way, this is your trigger warning. Welcome to Second Chance. That, that, that's all the trigger warning you get. But tolerant is that thing. Because if you love that child, if you love that child, you would not say, well, okay, I mean, that's fine. I mean, you don't look like your daddy for the rest of your life, I guess, and you got, you got your jacked up nose and just like his and his mama. I mean, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna do that. You're gonna be like, listen, I'm in charge, and while you might think that that's what's best for you long-term, you're gonna have some breathing problems and you're never gonna be able to find goggles that fit and like this, there's gonna be all these issues. So you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna use patience rather than tolerance, am I right? Now, the reason I said all that is that there are two people said yes. Everybody else is nervous. Everybody's nervous. Oh, my gosh, I might get canceled. <laughs> Listen, the people that can cancel you are loud, but they're, they're, not, they're not that strong, and if they showed up in person, you could whip them with your pinky, all right? I just want to let you know. Um, the, the main thing I want to share tonight, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this, is this. That God is patient. He is not tolerant. God is so patient, and let me push the pause button. I'm so glad, because if God was not patient, I would have been 
struck by lightning, struck by a car, turned into a pillar of salt, anything bad that could, I mean, God is patient. God is not tolerant. You say, Pastor B, what do you mean not tolerant? I'm talking about when somebody says, this is who I am, I'm not going to change, I'm not open to change, and everybody just needs to be happy and accept it and deal with it. Now, that's popular in our culture, but it's basically giving God the middle finger in many cases, which that just doesn't work out best long term. So tonight, tonight though, I'm gonna focus more on the God is patient part. Next week for Father's Day, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say some of the most controversial things I've ever said, not just at Second Chance, but in ministry. If you, like, the pucker factor is gonna be intense, okay? It's gonna be like, oh my gosh, did he say, did he just say that? Yes, we're going there. But tonight, the reason I wanna talk about the fact that God is patient is because God's people oftentimes are not. And this is what I mean by that. Maybe you prayed to receive Christ or maybe you became a Christian and you were in a church and automatically they started telling you, well, you can't, you can't listen to that music because you're a Christian. And you started telling about the movie you went to go see. All oh, Christians don't see those kind of movies. What kind of movies? R-rated movies. Well, Passion of the Christ is R-rated. Okay, well, if it's about Jesus, you can go see it if it's rated R. But other than that, right? And then they start telling you about the places you can go and the places you can't go. And before you know it, you got a list of things to do and a list of things that you can't do. And then, and then people will sit back and start saying things about you like, well, I just don't see no fruit in their life. Which there's a lot of spiritual gifts in the Bible, but I didn't see fruit inspector listed in any of the lists. Maybe the reason you, you can't see any fruit in, in their life is because there's no fruit in your life, but you don't wanna talk about that. But that's another message for another time. I'm just saying that God's, people oftentimes are impatient with other people as they're taking steps forward in their walk with Christ. And a lot of times when people are taking steps forward in their walk with Christ, we don't see it. It's not visible. It's not obvious, but it doesn't have to be obvious to be real. It has to be obvious in their heart and in their life. And, and this is the point I'll make. Eventually, if Jesus is doing a work in our lives, it will be undeniable. Other people will see it and they won't be able to deny it. But while that's happening, I, while that's happening, you got to understand, as you're taking steps forward in your walk with Christ, even if they're baby steps, God is patient with you. He just wants us to keep taking steps forward. And when we fall down, get back up. Last week, we started talking about Gideon. And we said that Gideon was um, living in Israel, and Israel turned their back on God, and they were oppressed by the Midianites, for seven years. Now remember seven years because seven's gonna be huge next week. So they were oppressed by the Midianites for seven years, so bad that the Midianites came in and they stole all their livestock, remember their cattle and their goats and their donkeys and, and, and stole all the wheat and stole all the agriculture, left them. For every year for seven years, they would get raided. The enemy would raid them and take everything they had, which is a reminder that Jesus told us the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's ultimately what he wants to do in our lives. So it, we, picked, we talked about last week, Gideon's down in a wine press threshing wheat, Jesus gets down in the pit with him and, and says, you know, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Gideon called him sir. We talked about that last week. Gideon was like, sir, which if you're gonna call Jesus anything, I would go with Lord, but, but sir, because I'm not mad at him because he didn't know Jesus. 
He had no idea who Jesus was. So he said, sir. And, and Jesus said, you know, you need to, he, he asked Jesus a lot of questions. Why am I here? Why'd you abandon? Jesus didn't answer any of them. He said, go in the strength you have. I'm with you. And then this week, we're gonna see something. We're gonna, we're gonna pick up the story. And I want you to watch because the first two words in the first verse this week are huge. Watch this in, in Judges chapter six, verse, verse, verse 15. But Lord, stop. That's progress. You see that right there? But Lord, because I'm gonna take you back to verse 13. Verse 13, he said, sir. But in verse 14, uh, verse 15, he said, but Lord. See, that's him starting to see Jesus more clearly. And that's a big deal. One of the problems in the church is we don't celebrate baby steps. And now, we, when, when you have a baby and the baby starts walking, do we celebrate the baby steps, yes or no? Absolutely, which I always say it. Your baby, the first time your baby walked, your baby didn't walk. Your baby fell forward, okay? They just fell and they went on, and, and you celebrated that and you put it on Facebook and you're so happy. But when that happens in church world, instead of celebrating, we go, Christians don't fall, which is a problem because every one of our Bible heroes are heroes because they fell and got back up. Except for Jesus, okay, he's God, so he, he gets a pass on that one. I'm just saying, when we start to see Jesus more clearly, then we're more likely to follow him more closely because when we see who he is, we can understand that he really is great and his plans for our lives are greater and better than anything we could have ever imagined. This is, this is Gideon starting to see Jesus more clearly. Y'all gotta listen faster because we're only two words in, all right? But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Which is a legitimate question. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. So in Israel, they had, they had like, they had tribes, and they had clans, and they had families, and he was the least in his family. He, he, said, he said, basically, I got some limitations. Not everybody in this room's got limitations one, in one way or another. Let me, let me ask this question. And tell the truth, don't lie. You're in church. If you lie, go straight to hell. How many people in this room, if you had to right now, could, could stand flat-footed, bend over, and touch your toes? Raise your hand. Oh, flexible people at 5 p.m. You should, 9.15, they were like, <laughs> 11 o'clock, everybody sobered up, so everybody was, like, everybody was raising their hands. I'm just, I'm just saying, I can't, I can't. In fact, and I wore, I wore sweatpants tonight, if, if, if you gave me, this is about as, as some of y'all are like, he's gonna go over that, I can't, this is it. This is it right here. And I, I was eating dinner with this guy that was really upset one time that I couldn't touch my toes. He's like, everybody should be able to touch your toes. I said, you got a verse? He's like, no, but look, look how flexible I am. And he stood flat-footed, and he bent over, and he put his hands flat on the ground. I said, that's kind of impressive. I said, that's impressive. He said, I can touch the ground. I said, I can eat a hush puppy. And so I ate a hush puppy because <laughs> he had this gluten thing. And I was like, Man, give me his gluten. I want extra gluten for me. And so it, it was crazy because we were talking about that. And he said, no, you need, to, you need to learn how to do this. I said, okay, okay, what do you need me to do in order to touch the ground like that? He said, you need to go with me to hot yoga. And I said, dude, let me make you a promise. If I'm gonna get sweaty and do something called the downward dog, it ain't gonna be with you. I just, <laughs> we'll just leave it there, all right? I did, I told him that, I told him that. I got limitations. I'm, I'm six foot six, but I can't dunk a basketball. And some of y'all are like, you should be able to dunk a basketball at 6'6", but you know the great theologian Wesley Snipes said, 
White man can't jump. And so I can't, I've got limitations. And we've got spiritual limitations as well. Every person in this room knows what we can do and what we can't do. And here's how you know what your next step is in your journey with Christ. He shows you that next step and you're scared. Because you know your limitations and you know you can't pull that off by yourself. But what's beautiful about this is this. Limitations lead to desperation. And if we'll let our limitations lead us to desperation for Jesus and lean into who he is and lean into his power and his strength, then we can take that next step and even further beyond because what he calls us to, he will always bring it to completion because that's his promise, that's who he is, and that's what he does. I, that was a great spot for an amen. Don't, no, 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 it's not on y'all, it's me. I'll preach harder. Just give me a minute. I'll warm, I'll warm up, all right? So he was like, I, I don't know, man. I got some, I got some limit. I mean, how can I do it? And he's talking, to, he's talking to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, he says, I will be with you. That's what the Lord said. And you will destroy the men. I love that. I didn't even talk about that this morning, destroy. He didn't say you will hurt. He didn't say you will, you will cancel. He said you will destroy. Like you, you're gonna put a whooping on them in this Southern National Version. Uh, destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. This is what he said. That's what the Lord said. And this kind of reminded me that sometimes in life, we got to borrow other people's authority, right? I remember my dad, um, he was the building superintendent on the original building of the Greenville County Law Enforcement Center when it was built in the 1970s or whatever. And he took me over when he was wrapping it up, and he wanted me to go back and look in the little the jail area. He wanted me, I was the first person to ever be in the jail, which that probably should have been foreshadowing. But anyway, I'm walking back to that area and a guy, I don't even know who this guy was, he stepped and he said, he said you can't go back here, son. And um, I was confused because I wasn't his son. Um, but, but I was like, well, my dad told me to go. He said, I said, you can't go back there. And as soon as he said it, I heard my father behind me. He said, that's my son, let him through. And the guy just stepped to the side. I was like, how you like them apples? I, I, didn't, I, I, was, I didn't know what was going on. But I, the reason I hadn't forgot that is because I couldn't get back there on my own. But when my father spoke up, when my father's voice rang through those halls, the obstacle went out of the way. The reason I wanna say that tonight is because somebody needs to understand that if you will just listen to the father's voice, he will give you the authority and the strength and the power you need to take that next step in your walk with Christ. And as you take that next step, we will celebrate. Let, let, me, get, let me give you a, he said, he said, I will, you will. I will, you will. I will, you will. Now, where, where that, I started trying to figure out how does that look practically today? So I came up with a couple statements. This is like God saying, I will be with you and you will be a great husband. But being a husband's tough, and let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Women are crazy. <laughs> Don't, listen, stop. Don't hate me. I'm, if a woman, if a woman is being truthful, she will tell you. Sometimes we're crazy. I don't, why are you crying? I don't know. 
That's, nobody can figure that out. Women are crazy. You just gotta figure, where, you gotta figure out where crazy is on a scale of one to 10. Because if she's an eight crazy, nine crazy, you might, you, but Pastor P, she's hot. So's hell, all right? You, you need, to, <laughs> need to consider that, need to consider that. Now, when I say all women are crazy, I just go ahead and say all guys are jerks. We're selfish. Amen. So when an, when an eight jerk, got a lot of amens on that. Y'all listening, oh, he's preaching now. He's pre- preach it. We're in a charismatic church, you'd have wore out a hanky right there. When an eight jerk marries an eight crazy, whoo, that's, that's a problem, right? But it's difficult to be a good husband because it, it, it's, it's just tough, especially if you've wrestled, especially if you've gone through a divorce and you're in a second marriage. It's tough. What did I do wrong? Am I gonna do it wrong again? What am I, like, how, how, do, how do I navigate this? And what I've learned, what, let me just, mm-mm, let me back up. What I am learning is if I will lean into the Lord, he will show me how, he will show you how to love his daughter. The second is, is I will be with you and you'll be a great father. <laughs> it, now this is crazy because this morning, Karis, my daughter, uh, drove me to church for the first time ever. And it was weird. But she did great, she did great. Everybody's like, how'd she do? She did great, I mean, I was literally two minutes into the drive. I didn't know what to do because I'm always driving. So I just let her drive and we listen to music. Um, and I let, listen to her music, we listen, whatever she, her car, I'm just there. But it's difficult being a dad, isn't it? Because when they're children, all they wanna do is talk. And you're driving up in the driveway and you're like, here's my children and I love them so much and I hope they don't speak. Um, because you just wanna go in and sit in your chair and zone out because people have been asking you questions all day. And you've used up all your words, right? And your kids are like, Daddy, why this? Why this? And, Daddy, can we go outside and play? Can we go to that? And you're just like, ah. And then they become teenagers. How was your day? Good. Anything, anything cool happen? Yep. You wanna talk about that? Nope. Okay, I'm just gonna lay in traffic and uh, you just let me know when you're ready to chat. <laughs> it's difficult to be a dad. Maybe that's why one of the greatest epidemics in our country today are absentee fathers. Dads, and listen, it's tough. We don't know what to do. And there's not a handbook. But I'm telling you, if you will lean in to the Lord, he, he gave you that child, he'll show you how to parent that child, Amen. right? And last but not least, I, I just wanna include this because I know there's a lot of people that wrestle with this. He said, I'll be with you and you'll be able to take your next step. God will never call you to what he will not fulfill through you if you'll just be obedient and do it. That was good. I hope somebody wrote that down because I hadn't said that all day. All right, so, so Gideon <clears throat> is saying, I'm not sure about this. He said, I'll be with you. And then, <laughs> this is how patient God is. This is how patient God is. Notice this, watch this. Gideon replied, <clears throat> if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Now, if I'm Jesus, which I'm not, but if I'm Jesus, I'm offended at this point. Aren't you? Aren't you a little mad? You're like, show you a sign. I'm, I'm the sign, Gideon. 
But let's be fair to Gideon. Gideon's never been to church. He don't know how this God thing works. He don't know how Christianity works. He hadn't read the book of Judges. It hadn't been written yet. He don't know. He's like, let me read this next part. Oh, I'm gonna win, good. He doesn't know any of this. This is a brand new experience for him. And so he's like, ah, I, I need a sign. I need some clarification. Now, have you ever asked God to give you a sign? And listen, I'm not talking about something like some, some people are like, God, if you want me to do this, make my dog talk, okay? But you, and you know, you know, by the way, I hope that happens to somebody one day. I hope it does. But I remember one time, this is a true story. I used to work out at a gym here in town. I, go to the gym. If you've ever go, gone to a gym, if you go at the same time, usually you see about the same group of people every day. Same group of people come in, they work out, and then leave. You wave at people. Um, I don't talk a lot. I keep my head down. And so, and I'm, I've told you before, I'm an introvert. So I go in this gym and there's this guy and I always see him, I'd wave at him, he'd wave at me, he'd always smile. And one day I walked in the gym and I knew God spoke, I was, knew it was God speaking to me. God, I walked in and God said, God, go talk to him about me. And I was like, oh. See, God, that's, that's not my thing. And it's not. Like I don't, you, every once in a while you hear a preacher on TV and they've always got a, I led somebody to Christ on an airplane story. I don't have one of those. I've flown millions of miles and have never said, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? I've been like, you gonna eat that? I mean, that, that's about, <laughs> that's the, reminds me of the bread of life. Like I've never made that transition. So I, I told God, I said, I walked in one day, it just went on for like a week. I went in one day and I sat down on the bench and I was putting on my weight gloves and not because I lift a lot, because it looks cool. I mean, I'm putting on my weight gloves and this is, I bowed my head and I said, I said, okay, God, I said, here's the deal. If you want me to talk to him about you, I need for you to make it clear. And I said, amen. As soon as I raised my head, he was standing in front of me, <laughs> looking at me. And I said, I mean, this doesn't mean. I'm still wrestling with God, I promise you. And he, this guy looked at me and he said, are you a Christian? Because I really need to talk to a Christian. I was like, oh, you're good. <laughs> you got those lottery numbers handy? I just, I just, while we're on such a good thing, we got something good, I feel like the flow's happening here. I, he asked for a sign. And I, I went to a church, and I don't know if you come from a church background, that we get told it's wrong to ask for clarification. It's wrong to ask God for a sign. But then when I read the book of Hebrews chapter 11 called the Faith Hall of Fame, Gideon's name is in there. All these people telling me not to ask God for a sign, their name's not in there. Gideon's asking for clarification. I'm just telling you, sometimes we need clarification from the Lord. And if you need him to make something clear, it's okay to ask. Because you, if you ask God to make something clear, and you've got a sincere heart. Guess what a good father does? He makes it clear. He doesn't say, figure it out, and if you don't figure it out, I'm gonna punish you. That's not a good father. So Gideon said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a sign. And watch how patient Jesus is with Gideon, just like he is with us. Watch this. Gideon tells him, don't, don't go away. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And he answered, I will stay here until you return. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, a, I'm an on-time guy.
If I tell you I'm gonna be somewhere at 12 o'clock, I'll be in the parking lot at 11.45. I'm, if you're five, listen, if you're, if you're on time, you're late. You better be five minutes early. And, and if you tell me I'm coming to your house, I wanna know what time. I'll come over to your house tomorrow afternoon. What time are you coming? What time you, and what time are you leaving? We need to establish that too because at <laughs> seven o'clock, I start getting naked and cutting out the lights. And we're like, you're gonna, you're gonna leave my house. You are getting out of my house. I'm, I'm that type of person. I need to know what time we're gonna go to dinner. What time are we gonna go? And what time is the dinner gonna be over? I'm that person. And, and a lot of y'all are looking at me weird because you're that person too. I know you are. But then we look at Jesus and he said, take your time. If you need a sign and you're gonna go prepare something, when you, when you get back here, I will be here. Don't miss this. Gideon, I'm not moving. I will wait on you however long it takes. See, and I'll say, I say this with 100% just compassion in my heart, but I want somebody, somebody needs to hear this tonight because I didn't say this this morning. If you're not as close to Jesus as you once were, he didn't move. He didn't move. And that's not a rebuke. That's an invitation to step back a little bit closer. Oh, I know that was good because I didn't say that this morning. That was for somebody tonight. I don't know who it is, but man, I hope you get that. I hope you get that. That might have been for me. Anyway, Gideon hurried home. Now, notice this. Gideon asked for a sign. Jesus said, I'll wait. But then Gideon is active while he's waiting on a sign. He doesn't sit down, cross his legs, hold his fingers like this and start saying, oh, he doesn't do that. See, if we're gonna ask God for a sign, then we gotta continue to seek him in the process, continue to show up at church, continue to serve, continue to read our Bible, continue to pray, continue to do whatever it takes to get into his presence because when we get in his presence, that's where we get his direction. So Gideon hurried home and watch this. He cooked a young goat. Now that's a big deal. That's a big deal, cooking a goat. Because if we remember last week, remember the Midianites came in and stole all the goats and livestock. So Gideon's like, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna give this guy something. And I think, he's, I think he's God, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. But you know what? Screw it, I'm, I'm giving him a goat. So he goes out, and this isn't like easy task. You can't go, he didn't go by Publix in the meat department and get some goat. He didn't go to goat filet because they were closed on Sundays, but this was maybe a Saturday. He had to go catch the goat. Clean the goat, kill the goat, clean the goat, cook the goat. It took a minute to do all that to the goat. Am I right? Now, I, some people are like, I wouldn't eat goat. I've eaten goat before. It's not that bad. Now, I didn't know I was eating goat until after I was done. They were like, that was goat. I was like, it wasn't bad. And so I just <laughs> had to, it's just there, it's just a bad joke. So he cooked a young goat, and he, with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Mm. In Hebrew, this is... Chada, y'all say that with me, chada. That means cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. I totally made that up. I just wanna see if you're paying attention because you know that's the only reason you go to Red Lobster. Nobody goes there for the seafood. You go for the cheddar biscuits. So then, watch this, carrying the meat in a basket so he's organized. This is an organized man, okay? And, and, and the broth in a pot, so this is like he got, he got his mom's pamper chef thing. He's got the pamper chef. He's got the basket. And he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. So he's, oh, come on. Oh, that angel's back there. Oh, he's back. You got to go get the... 
and he got the goat, got the bread, brings it back, man, he's like, brings it to the angel, and he's thinking, this is is some good eating. This this is some good eating, Jesus. You're gonna love this. You're gonna love it. And watch what Jesus does. Because sometimes when we bring Jesus something, he doesn't do with it what we think he's gonna do with it. He said, he said, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And, and see, I got a problem with that. Because if I spent all this time making a meal, like if I invited you to my house and I cooked you a meal and I brought it to you and you went, yeah, just put it on the ground. I would be offended. Would you be offended? Yeah, of course. So Gideon gets this stuff and he brings it to Jesus and Jesus is like, just, just put it on the rock. Yeah, just, just put the biscuits on the rock and pour the gravy over it. Just, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm make, this is southern Israel, okay? Just, just, just make it that way. And this is what's crazy. Don't miss this because this is huge. This is enormous. Watch this. And Gideon did as he was told. That's called a breakthrough. He, he didn't ask questions. He didn't say this doesn't make sense. He took all the stuff he prepared and said, all right. And he puts it on the rock. That's called progress. When we don't understand him, still learning to trust him and leaning in to what he tells us to do. God, I don't understand what you're asking. It's half the time, neither have I. We don't have to understand him to trust him. In fact, we can't understand him because he's God. So so Gideon asked for a, a sign. So you know what he's about to get? He's about to get a sign. And it's a good one. Watch this. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of his staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought and the angel of the Lord disappeared. What? I mean, he asked for it. Be careful what you get asked for because God's always got more in store and that's a good thing. Can you imagine this? This is a WTH moment. What the holiness, that's what I meant. I don't know where y'all's minds are. But this, is, this is absolutely amazing because the Bible says the angel Lord just touched, and the fire flamed up. The fire, the fire, fire. Now, fire can be good or fire can be bad. It just depends on the context, am I right? And last week we said, well, let, let, me, let me set this up. I have a friend um, when he got married, him and his wife, this was years ago, they went to, they went to, <laughs> I've tried to do this all day without laughing, though I can't. They went to Gatlinburg for their honeymoon. I know there's people, I gotta be careful because there's people in this room and you love Gatlinburg. You love <laughs> Gatlinburg and you're such a redneck because it's, <laughs> it's Myrtle Beach in the mountains. That's, it, that's it's what it is. It, come on, y'all. And, but that's where they wanted to go. So if, if that's where you wanna go, man, that is awesome. And they went up there and there was a snowstorm that night and all the power went out and then the power went out in their little cabin, but they had a fireplace. And he said, but it turned out good. He said, I learned that fire is good. He said, because I built a fire in the fireplace and I made a little pallet, a little bearskin rug right there in front of the fireplace. He said, it was, it was awesome. In fact, the next day, true story, he called his mom. He said, she said, how you doing? She said, he said, mama, it was bad. We, we lost power last night. 
We lost power last night. She said, on your honeymoon night? I said, no, mama. He said, we lost power. He said, it's okay because I built a fire in the fireplace and me and he called his wife. We just lay by the fire and his mama said, you keep it going all night long? He said, I sure try, mama. That's what he said. It's a true story. But fire can also be bad. Fire can also be bad. I remember when I was maybe 13 years old, 1984, went out of town, came back in town, and my house had burned down. And when I say burned down, the chimney was left, destroyed by fire. Something that's good in one context and something that can destroy in another. Now, here's the reason I say that. is because last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and wind the other element that's associated with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is fire. Now, to the people in this room, but I'm especially talking to the men right now, I dare you to pray this week. God, set me on fire with what you're on fire for. I dare you. Pray it all week. Set me on fire. Because see, the fire of God will motivate us, the fire of God will inspire us, the fire of God purifies us. When you have gold and you, you run it through the fire, it makes that gold better. The, the hotter the fire, the better the product. Ask God to set you on fire. But then, fire also destroys. And I'm saying this to my, to my friends in the room and maybe some friends watching online, and you're in that intolerant bunch. This is who I am, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm never gonna change. This is always gonna be me. I get that attitude. But I wanna say with as much love and compassion but with as much truth as possible that one day, everything and everyone that doesn't belong to Jesus will be destroyed by fire because God is patient but he's not tolerant. So, so this, is a, this is a crazy moment. And Gideon gets exactly what he asked for. And he freaks out, just like we would. Gideon, Gideon when he realizes the angel of the Lord, he cries out, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. In other words, he goes, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die, because he didn't understand. He's brand new. I didn't understand Christianity. When I first became a Christian, I, I didn't understand like conviction. Like when the Holy Spirit would convict me of something, I'd be like, I feel weird. What do you mean? I feel weird. What do you mean? I feel weird about this. Oh, that's called conviction. Oh, does that mean I gotta stop? Yep, okay. It was, I didn't understand. Sometimes it's difficult to understand. He thought, he had some wrong ideas about God and I had some listed, but I'm not gonna go through them. And he, cause he was like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And watch what, Jesus is so good because right here, he's expressing his fear. This is Gideon getting as raw and real with Jesus in a vulnerable moment. And when we get to this place, see, a lot of people won't get to this place, especially men, because we're afraid if we get here, God's gonna twist us and turn us and mess us up. But watch what God does when Gideon gets real. Watch this. It's all right. Don't be afraid. You will not die. He speaks directly into his fears, and he gives him comfort, it's all right, a command, do not be afraid, 
and you will not die. Assurance. When we get real and we get honest with God, he will always speak into our situation and he always speaks life. Now, in order to set this next part up, you gotta give me a minute. How many people in the room, now, now once again, be honest, because I'm, I'm really watching on this one. You'll find out why in a minute. How many people can make homemade biscuits? Biscuits. I'll make, keep them up. Lauren, I am, I am not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I had a couple right here this morning. They got in an argument over it. It was fascinating. She was trying to raise his hand. He was trying to pull it down. And I was watching them. So after the service, like they were, I, I called him. I said, you can make biscuits? He went, muffins. They're muffins. I make homemade muffins. I looked at her, I said, you lied in church. She said, he can do biscuits too. I was like, we baptized him tonight, ma'am. I, I, I'm just kidding. My grandma, my grandma could make the best homemade biscuit. I'm talking about cat head biscuits, like big old biscuits, like big biscuits with real flour and buttermilk and real butter. I can't believe it's not butter. Get out of my house then, because it's, it's real butter. Why is it that my grandparents' generation, they ate every piece of fat back they could get their hands on. They drank whole milk. They did everything, and listen, none of them had to have a safe space, and none of them had a peanut allergy, and none of them had, to, they were the toughest people in the world. I had a safe space when I was growing up. It's where I went to cool my tail down after my dad had worn it out. That was my safe space. But, but homemade biscuits, homemade. Anytime, something, anytime somebody says something is homemade, you got my attention. Anybody with me on this? Homemade. But the reason I bring that up is because somebody sent me a picture and I, it just... If you don't get that word right, this is what happens. <laughs> Couple things. Number one, I'm not, I'm not sure I want any of that apple butter. I'm just... But it... When you spell it that way, it kind of switches the context a little bit. Would you agree? I mean, I don't know. I just, I just think that maybe somebody should have proofread that before. That is an actual sign, by the way. It's true. It's true. Now, the reason I, I bring that up is because as Christians, we have words that we misuse a lot. And one of them, one of the most common words that we misuse is the word repent. We typically yell it at people who, who are doing something that we don't like what they're doing and we want them to change their behavior. So we'll point our finger and go, repent. You ever seen somebody on the street corner and they're yelling, repent? And I'm like, I don't think that means what you think it means. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross to establish a behavior modification program. Repent doesn't mean to change your behavior. When we see it in, in the New Testament, the word is, in Greek is metanoia, and metanoia means the changing of the mind. 
So repent in the scripture is not a rebuke. It's an invitation into a brand new way of thinking that is greater and higher than we could ever achieve on our own because that level of thinking connects us to God and his thoughts and his ways. And when we begin to change the way we think, and this happens over time. Notice, all this happened to Gideon in private. Nobody saw this on video. There wasn't a book. Gideon didn't have my experience with God in paperback. Ordered on Amazon today. All of this happened between Gideon. This was all personal. But the whole time, Gideon's taking baby steps forward. Am I right? And watch what happens. Because this is what happens over time when we're taking our baby steps with God. Watch what happens. This, and the reason it's a big deal is because what I'm about to show you hadn't happened in Israel in seven years. Watch this. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. Let me pause real quick. He went public. Nobody was watching. But Jesus had done so much in his life and answered his prayers and been so patient with him that the overflow of his heart was to build an altar. And this took a minute. This took a minute. Nobody had done this in Israel in seven years. And Gideon, not to spoil the story for anybody, but Gideon's gonna go on to lead an army that would defeat the Midianites and set the nation of Israel free. But it all started in a pit with a promise and the patience of God. I said this this morning, I'll say it again, our country's in trouble. And I don't think there's a political party out there that can fix it. Both sides of the aisle are so jacked up right now. And to get on my last freaking nerve, I hope that offended everybody. I'm serious. It's sick. Our country is in trouble. And I don't think that a politician, you know, they thought Jesus was going to be a political messiah. And Jesus was like, nah, it's about something bigger. Y'all are thinking about a small nation in the Middle East. I'm talking about the universe. He's, he's always about something bigger. I think that if the men of God would walk regularly into the church of God, get connected to the word of God, allow the spirit of God to work in our lives, that we would take this nation back, not with bullets, but by godly men standing up and saying, this is truth and I shall not be moved. Gideon built an altar. This is what I loved. Named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. (laughs) It never really hit me because... As, as many of you know, I've battled with depression and worry and anxiety. But I started thinking. I mean, my worry and depression compared to uh, Gideon had the enemy. He thought he was going to get killed every seven years and they're stealing everything and he's left with nothing and he's in this pit. You think he had some trauma? Think he had some anxiety? Absolutely. But then, after he builds the altar, 
and gets in the presence of Jesus, he just said, he's peace. You know what I discovered personally and in the scriptures? It is impossible to be worried or anxious or depressed in those moments where we intentionally focus everything on Jesus. When we focus on his greatness, I'm not saying when we stop singing, it's not gonna come back. I'm not saying we don't wrestle with it. I'm not saying it's not gonna be at work tomorrow. I'm just saying in those moments when we pause and reflect on the fact he spoke the world into existence, on the fact that he gave his son on the cross to pay for our sins, on the fact that one day he's coming back to take us home and he's gonna take everything that's wrong and make it right. When we focus on how great he is, that's peace. So before we give the invitation, pray with me. Father, I just wanna, I just wanna thank you tonight. God, I wanna thank you for how good you are and how great you are. I wanna thank you for every single person in this room. I especially wanna pray over the, over the men that feel like they've blown it and they think it, maybe it's too late. God, that they would hear your voice say it's never too late to come back home. It's never too late. And Jesus, may we, even if just for the next few minutes, just get past ourselves to focus on how great you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're thankful tonight that we have a God that is great and a God that is good. Y'all pray with me. Father, I, I just, God, I just thank you that we can be reminded through songs both old and new of your greatness. And Father, I pray right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe there's somebody tonight that you need to pray. God, set me on fire. Set me on fire with what sets you on fire. Pray it this week. Pray it every day. I promise you it's gonna start shifting something inside of you. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you need to take another step in your journey with Christ. There's something you need to start. There's something you need to stop. There's something you need to confess and you just need to tell God right now. You just give that to him right now. And maybe you're here tonight and you never prayed to receive Christ. You never asked Jesus to come into your life. You just came maybe to, to visit or maybe to see a friend get baptized, but you realize you've never given your life to Jesus and tonight's the night that you need to give your life to Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus tonight. You need to ask Jesus to come in your life tonight. And if that's you, I want to invite you right where you stand to pray and ask Christ to come into your life. And here's how we do it, second chance. You're gonna, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer after me, and I'm going to ask you to say it out loud. But here's what's cool. You won't be the only one saying it because we as a second chance family, we're going to say it with you to encourage you, to support you, to let you know that you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by a group of people. So if you're here tonight, you want to pray to receive Christ. Right where you stand, you pray this out loud in Second Chance Family. Let's pray it with them. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. So right now, 
all over this room without anybody looking up. I just want you, if you just pray that prayer, to put your hand up in the air. Put it straight up in the air and just leave it up. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Father, I thank you all day long that you have saved people, that you have changed lives, that you are saving people in this house. God, I thank you for it. I pray that they would walk out tonight filled with just the knowledge that, God, you started a change in them tonight that's going to last not just for the rest of their life, but for eternity. And that's something to celebrate. Head still bowed, now still closed. Some people need to take their next step and get baptized tonight. And you didn't register. You didn't sign up. But if, if you want to get baptized, just look at me. The line's over here to my right. Just go get in line. If you know that's your next step, if you pray to receive Christ and you've never been baptized and you ask God for a sign, here it is. There's a baptism pool right there. I'm about to go over there. We're going to dunk people. We're going to celebrate. But if you have taken, if you've prayed to receive Christ and you haven't been yet, you haven't gone public in your faith, that's your next step. 